Welcome to the Urban Hope Podcast. This sermon is from Elder Dion Watts, called Family is Our Legacy, from Psalm 78, 1 through 8, and Psalm 127, 3. Um, Let's jump right into the text uh, this morning. Uh, We will be in the Psalms this morning, primarily in Psalm 78, but also in Psalm 127. So if you would, please stand with me as we honor God's word. We're in Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. Word of God says this. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Also Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. The grass withers, the flowers fade, word of our God remains forever. You may be seated. So once again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers uh, this morning. Uh, It's a special Mother's Day uh, for the Watts household as my wife is celebrating her first Mother's Day. And so uh, shout out to to her. Um, And uh, also, as EJ mentioned in his prayer, um, the Despinaz family, Noah and Rachel, uh, got a, I wouldn't say a surprise, but just a few days early, about five days before the due date, <laughs> their son arrived. And uh, so now they uh, and we are celebrating with them as uh, Rachel has a special Mother's Day as well, that Mother's Day gift of her son, Elijah, who's here with us now, um, their first son and um, their second child. And so. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and so we are glad and celebratory this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. So just really want to segue, use that, really, that, that the fact that 
um, the Desmondos family is having their second child um, as a segue into the sermon, actually. Um, I want to start this morning with some quotes and some information um, from a recent article uh, that came out in November of 2022. So if you could put that first slide on the screen. So there was this article, like I said, it came out in November of 2022. Some of you may have read it, written by Kevin DeYoung, who is uh, a pastor within the PCA in our denomination in, in North Carolina. And he wrote this article called The Case for Kids. The Case for Kids. And so today, uh, I really want to gather and share some information from that article. So we're going to be in it quite a bit today. I really want to show some things that was really discoveries that are quite stunning um, in our contemporary day and age. And so I want us to look at um, some of the direct quotes and the findings that he gave um, in this particular article, The Case for Kids. So put that first um, one on the screen for me. Quote directly from the article. All of these are, are coming directly from this article. It says this, the most significant thing happening in the world may very well be a thing that is not happening. Men and women are not having children. True, human beings are reproducing, but in most countries, not fast enough to replace themselves. Outside of Africa, which is home to 41 of the 50 most fertile nations, the planet faces a bleak demographic future. Next slide. Many major European nations, such as Bulgaria, Greece, Hungary, Poland, Portugal, and Spain, have a TFR. TFR means total fertility rate. It's kind of a rate of replacement for human beings to continue to replace, continue to keep the population going, to not have a decrease in the population over the globe. So it's a TFR, this TFR rate. It says these countries, these European nations, many of them have a TFR of 1.5 births per woman or lower, disastrously below the replacement rate of 2.1. The replacement rate of 2.1 kind of makes sense, right? Like if two people, a man and a woman, have a child to kind of replace them when they die, they need to have two more people, right? So that makes sense, right? This replacement rate. Italy's future is especially grim as the country has one of the lowest TFRs in the world, just 1.22. Virtually every country in Europe, including the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, Germany, Belgium, Finland, and Denmark, has a TFR below 1.8. Only France, with a TFR of 2.03, comes close to the replacement rate. Decline is on its way. Next slide. The Russian population is already contracting. Germany's population is on pace to shrink from 83 million to around 70 million over the next 30 years. If trends do not reverse, Europe's population will plummet 
from 750 million today to less than 500 million by the end of the century. Next slide. The numbers for East Asia are even worse. Hong Kong, Macau, Singapore, Taiwan, each have a TFR around one. South Korea's is 0.81. These countries make aging and shrinking Japan with its TFR of 1.37 look almost vibrant. And whatever military and economic power resides in China, increasingly children do not. Despite the replacement of the notorious one-child policy by a two-child policy in 2016, and then a three-child policy in 2021. See, China was trying to catch up with this. They were trying to fix this. Still didn't help. China's birth rate has continued to tumble. Next slide. For many years, the United States appeared, we did, we appeared to be an exception to the rule of decline of birth rates in the industrialized world. In 2007, the United States had a TFR of 2.1, whereas the figure for the European Union was below 1.6. But since then, the U.S. birth rate has fallen by 20% to as low as 1.73, according to some estimates. What looked like American exceptionalism less than a generation ago now looks like mere delay. Next slide. At no time in history have people been having fewer children. No time in history. In most countries, the number of births per woman is well below the replacement rate. And even in countries with a high TFR, such as those of Sub-Saharan Africa, the rate is dropping. The human race seems to have grown tired of itself. What's to think about that? Startling information um, about the decline in people having children. Now, you may think, well, what's a big deal about that? There's lots of things going on in regards to our world around us. Why would we want to bring children into this world? Um, there's all this discussion and talk about climate, and when, when children are born, they affect the climate in a negative way, and so it's better to have less children to preserve the planet, all these different things that we hear in our culture uh, around us. And so you may be questioning this and saying, well, you know, okay, that's information, but what's the big deal about it? Well, let me go back to the text. Go back to Psalms, Psalm 78. Give a little context about Psalm 78. Um, it's a historical psalm which recounts the history of the people of God, Israel, over time. So Psalm 78 is a historical psalm. It's actually a song. Psalm 78 has 72 verses in it. And Psalm 1 through 8, the first eight verses, is really just the intro to the psalm. And this psalm, this song, was supposed to be sang and remembered for generations, to remember the historical narrative of the people of Israel and Israel's unfaithfulness and their rebellion against God 
while God remained faithful to them. And so Psalm 1 through 8, let me read 78, 1 through 8. Let me read that one more time. It says, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings, which just means hidden lessons of truth from old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. So listen up to what I'm about to say. Listen up. Pay close attention. What I'm about to say is important, the psalmist is saying. Verse 4. We will not hide them from our children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. We will continue to pass this information on to the next generations. They need to know about God, his glorious might, the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. Why? That the next generation might know them. The next generation. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children. You see the mentality, a generational mentality, right? It's generational. There's an expectation that children are gonna continue to be born, right? Not gonna be a decline in a population, but children are gonna continue to be born. There's an expectation here for the people of God. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It's important to share this with the children, with the next generations, so that they set their hope in God, so that they keep his commandments, psalmist says. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So they would learn from the mistakes of the past, right? So that the next generation would know what not to do and what to do from the mistakes in the past generations, from the history of the past generations, from the teachings of parents to their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren and so forth and so on, right? Our God is a generational God. So this implies that the people of God are expected to have children. Now, I know, hear me out. I know mothers can have children in multiple ways other than the natural, okay? Um, Adoption, beautiful, beautiful picture, right? We are adopted into the family of God. Adoption, not the natural biological means of having children, not the natural biological means of being a mother, but nonetheless, a beautiful picture of parenthood, of motherhood, adoption is. Adoption is a beautiful way to care for orphans, to become a mother, to become a parent. And some are mother figures to children, right? Mother figures to children that are not their own. 
right? That's important. That's necessary. Um, I'm up here preaching this morning, and PA is not, because he went to Grand Rapids, Michigan, to visit a woman that he refers to as his mother, not his biological mother, but a woman who stepped in when his biological mother was not around and played that role as a mother. It means a whole lot to him. He, matter of fact, I was up here last year preaching the Mother's Day sermon because he was in Grand Rapids visiting her for her birthday. He'd done the same thing this year. Last year was her 89th birthday. This year is her 90th birthday. So there are mothers um, that aren't biological mothers, but are mother figures. So I understand these things. Hear me out. But again, the most natural way of becoming a mother is through procreation, right? To follow the command of God from the garden, to be fruitful and multiply. From the beginning, part of the purpose of humanity is to be fruitful, multiply. So knowing that and hearing that, let's think back to our current day and age. Um, in the article we just read that there's a worldwide trajectory of decline in the population. Um, people are not having children, including here in the United States, including here in America. Now let me say this um, as well. Um, I understand difficult realities exist for some. I understand that. Um, infertility is real. Barrenness is real. Um, God knows that. God sees you. God sees that. Knows it all too well. The narratives all over the Old Testament. There are many women cried out to the Lord because they were barren. They couldn't have children of their own. The Lord saw them. The Lord heard them. The Lord comforted them. And that's a reality today. I understand that. I understand that that's a difficult reality for some. I understand that miscarriages happen, attempts to have children. And I understand personally the pain that comes with that. I understand. I understand that there can be fear that comes when miscarriages take place, right? Fear to try again because you don't want to feel that pain again. I understand that those realities exist for some. I really do. So I want y'all to hear my heart on this. I, I understand that those things exist. But I believe that those are small percentages of the worldwide phenomenon that we just talked about. Though those realities exist, even amongst the people of God and in the body of Christ, this worldwide phenomenon all over the planet of declining, infertility, uh, declining uh, population, um, I think there's something deeper going on. And I think those realities that I just shared are, are really the small percentages of what's going on. I believe most of the decline are due to a variety of reasons. Um, abortion is huge. Um, many, many children have not been born due to abortion. 
Um, sterilization happens, believe it or not. Um, a lot of times in the name of healthcare in a lot of these poorer countries, there's all kinds of medication that's taken over there and it has been proven to sterilize many women, even young girls are being sterilized against their own will. That happens in the world around us. That's a global reality that we have to understand. But I ultimately believe this worldwide phenomenon of decline, this is me, this is what I, what I think, um, is ultimately due to selfishness. Ultimately due to selfishness. I believe people are choosing on a global scale, on, on, the, on the, the ultimate phenomenon that we're seeing, that most of it is due to people choosing not to have kids. Put up that next slide um, after the last one that I just read earlier. It's the one before that. But fertility does not plummet worldwide without deeper issues at play, especially when people around the world are objectively richer, healthier, and afforded more conveniences than at any time in human history. Though individuals make their choices for many reasons, as a species, we are suffering from a profound spiritual sickness in which children seem a burden on our time and a drag on our pursuit of happiness. Our malady is a lack of faith and nowhere is the disbelief more startling than in the countries that once made up Christendom. Those countries that once were known for being filled with Christians. We see this decline taking place. Next slide. Today's version of the good life, say good life, is more individualistic and more consumeristic. So the idea of the good life is more focused on self, the individual, what makes me happy, what I want, more consumeristic. The good life has migrated from the home to the marketplace, to places of entertainment, and to the inner recesses of the self. Blessing is found in escaping the home, in travel, in consumption, and in freedom from the bonds of domestic life. Sobering to think about that this worldwide phenomenon of declining population of people not having children 
is primarily due to selfish reasons. Sin. See, here's where we get in trouble. Think about what God has said is a blessing. Go back to Psalm 127. Keep in mind what God has said is a blessing. Behold, children are a heritage, an inheritance, a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. See, what God has said is a blessing. Many humans today have declared is a curse. It's a burden. It's a drag. Keeps me from doing what I want to do, achieving what I want to achieve, being who I want to be. Children get in the way. What God has said is a blessing. Humans today have declared is a curse. God dealt with me this morning. Uh, (laughs) It's funny because God gets his preachers and he really tests us to make sure we believe what we preach. Children are a blessing, right? Heritage from the Lord, fruit of the womb, a reward. Well, our little blessing this morning felt more like a curse. As daddy already doesn't sleep as much on nights before I have to preach. And Dominic did not care. He was crying. He was screaming to the top of his lungs. And parents with infants or who've had infants, you know that pitch. And that pitch makes you want to scream, <laughs> right? Makes you want to pull your hair out. And I, I was like, are kids really a blessing? Do I want more of that in my life? <laughs> right? Like, do I want further years of having that screaming? I'm trying to sleep. And I mean, like I said, I don't know what it is about that scream. It's a, it's a particular scream. It's, it's not an adult scream. Like, it's, I can't explain it. Parents know. And it just wants to drive you crazy. And so I had to say, do I really believe what I'm about to preach? <laughs> do I really want to keep up with the TFR and have two, three, four children? Do I, do I want to do that? Um, God dealt with me this morning. Look at that one. You already <laughs> got to keep him out of here so he don't do that. No dad talking about him. So I really had to Wrestle with it just this morning, right before I came in here. Do I really believe what I'm about to go preach? Is it worth it? Is it worth going through? Is it worth experiencing? And I, I do. I do believe it is worth it. I believe what God has said in his word. I believe children are heritage, inheritance from the Lord. I believe that they are a gift. I believe that the fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, back to the slides. I want to um, show y'all this chart. Y'all have seen this before. Some of y'all have seen my teaching before in various areas. I've, college students have seen this. I've talked about this a lot. 
um, God's blueprint, God's original design for his world. And this is it's from Genesis, from the beginning, that God created Adam and the first relationship that a human being ever had with another being was with God. And then the first relationship that a human being ever had with another human being was the marital relationship, a husband and wife. Foundational. Foundational. The first relationship ever in humankind. Then the next relationship that shows up in Genesis is where Adam and Eve, Eve, who's the mother of all living, gives birth and children are born and a family is formed. The marital relationship and then these parents as their children are born. I'm gonna kinda mess with y'all for a minute. Um, uh, it's not really a nursery rhyme. I guess it's more of a, a school playground song. Let me see how many of y'all remember this. I sang it when I was a kid. I don't know about Gen Zs and all. I don't know if, if y'all, this generation, did this when y'all were kids on the playground. But I'm going to see if y'all remember this song. It goes like this. It's like so-and-so and so-and-so. So a boy and girl, their names. So-and-so and so-and-so. Sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes, then comes, then comes. All right, all right, y'all know it. I saw some of the Gen Z's singing it, okay. So that's going forth, that's being carried out. If people just follow that, if people just follow that song, not even knowing scripture, they would be in line with God's design. First comes love, then comes marriage. Not kids before marriage. Then comes baby and the baby carries. Right? And if we would just follow this design according to God's original intent, our society, the community, everything else would be in a much better state than it is today. God's design is for our flourishing. This is for human flourishing. He's our creator. He knows what produces flourishing. He created us. We don't know better than him. He knows better than us. This was his intent for us to flourish. But we have to understand this. This is God's design and intent. But we know in Genesis 3, serpent showed up, sent into the world. And God's original design and his original intent was marred. Sin brought destruction. So, brothers and sisters, we have to be aware of the deeper spiritual realities. We have to see things beyond the natural and see with spiritual lenses we have an enemy. Satan, the devil, 
is real. He's our adversary. He's the adversary of God and he's the adversary of humanity. This enemy lies. He's the father of lies, right? That's what scripture tells us. He's the father of lies. So we have an enemy that lies to us. We have an enemy that has schemes. Believe it or not, Satan has a plan. He has strategies. He has ways that he, he's been studying humanity for a long time. He knows our weaknesses. He knows how to attack us. He has schemes. We need to be aware of his schemes. The enemy knows us. We need to know the enemy. Right? He wants us to disobey God. It's ultimately what he's after. He's after us disobeying God, and then he wants to destroy. See, you and I, every human being that is born, is born in the image and likeness of God, right? We are image bearers. And Satan, our enemy, our adversary, he wants to destroy the image of God. How? He can't beat God. So he wants to destroy the image of God by marring the image bearers, you and I. That's how he wants to hurt God. See, the lies of Satan are embedded in our culture. Our culture is trying to eliminate. Think about this right now. Our culture is trying to eliminate the distinctions between what God created as male and female. The enemy is trying to eliminate those distinctions. Those distinctions are good. We reflect the image of God in being male and female. Equal in dignity, value, and worth, but also different by design. But the enemy, through our culture, is trying to eliminate those distinctions, saying that Men can be women. Change their gender. Saying that women can be men. Erasing women and mothers. Right? By subtly changing terms. Instead of saying mother, saying a birthing person. Instead of saying breastfeeding, saying chest feeding, more inclusive for those who are transgender. Really, it's, 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 it's just craziness. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, but it's sad. Um, motherhood and having children is a unique privilege and honor. It's an honor bestowed upon only Women. Men cannot be mothers. It's unique. And it's an honor. And Satan is trying to distort that. He's trying to distort it. See, many people in our culture, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
But many people in our culture who are wise in their own eyes have become fools. And we as believers, we don't care what they say. We care what God has said. Now, let me, let me make this quick caveat warning. Um, be careful um, not to make an idol out of family. Um, be careful not to make an idol out of marriage and children. Some of the easiest things to make idols out of and to worship are the good gifts of God. Um, God has given us many good things, many gifts, but we would be foolish to worship the gifts rather than the giver of gifts, right? God is jealous for his worship that is due his name. So be careful not to make an idol out of your children. It's easy to do. I'll give an example. Um, prioritizing our children's safety over God's calling for your life. On the heels of, of, of last week's sermon, um, Reverend Ron, for those of you all who are here, Ron Carter, he talked about the reality that nowhere is really safe anymore. Um, but we can make an idol out of our children's uh, safety. Think about it. God calls some that have families, that have children, to be missionaries in hostile countries, countries that are hostile to the gospel, countries that are hostile to Christianity. And God calls people, not just single people, but people with families. There are people all over the globe right now that are in countries that are not their home, and they took their families with them, their children with them. And it's not safe. But they answered the call. But if we make an idol out of our children's safety, we won't answer the call. Let me bring it home. Fairfield. Not the safest place. Inner cities all over America, not considered the safest place. And if we prioritize our children's safety over God's calling, we could miss the call to go. It takes counsel. It takes prayer. I can't tell you what God's calling you to. Just be careful. I just want to give that warning. Don't allow family. Don't allow children to become an idol because it can. But I do want to give an encouragement. Um, go to this next slide from the article. It says, pastors and priests should make sure their people know that the most direct path to changing the world starts with changing a diaper. Too often, Christian leaders lay impossible burdens on their people, insisting that they solve a host of social ills and become experts in a thousand different areas forgetting to assure them that to get married, raise children in the church, and stay married is a life well lived. Women in particular need to know that motherhood 
is not a lesser calling. It's not an interruption in the real business of life or an impediment to their being truly purposeful. And he says, which usually means being more than men. Just once, I'd like to see a Christian college spotlight a stay-at-home mom in its alumni magazine. From the way Christian schools market themselves, Christian schools, you would never imagine that most of their women graduates become mothers or that normal family life is an honorable calling. Be encouraged. Being a parent, being a mother, honorable in the sight of the Lord. If you don't go on and do, make all these achievements in the career field, in the world, God is not concerned with that. That's your concerns. This is a life well lived, being parents. It's an important job for the faith continuing for generations and generations and generations. Speed up. Share this last few points. Uh, we know that um, I shared all these declining population, and we know that realities may be different um, than what was in the article in places like Fairfield um, and other inner cities. Um, if, if kids are not being aborted, which they are at a very high rate in the black community, um, children are being born. They are being born, but most not according to God's design for flourishing but rather outside of wedlock and in the brokenness. So we know that that's happening in, in a community like Fairfield. But God has a plan for that. Think about it. What happens when you become a Christian? You're adopted into the family of God. You're given a new family. You may have been born into a broken one, but you're given a new one. The church, the new family of God. God has a plan. Listen to this. I, I wanted to just read like one verse from Ephesians 1, but I, it's just too good. I have to read the fullness of this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. We have been adopted, brothers and sisters. And because we've been adopted, we are heirs. You may not be getting anything from your parents. They, I'm not going to get much of an inheritance. I, come, I, I was raised in a broken family. My dad wasn't there. My mom has very, very little. A lot of times my mom has to rely on me for support. 
I'm not going to receive an inheritance from my parents. They're not going to pass down anything to me. But I have received an inheritance in Christ. It's an eternal inheritance. And you and I, if we are in Christ, we are co-heirs with him. And we will receive this eternal inheritance. So remember, we are to bring our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We can't save them. We can't change their hearts. But what we can do is be faithful to share and teach. Coming off the heels of last week's sermon, the evangelism sermon, we should know that we can't bring anyone to faith. We can share the gospel. We can plant seeds, water. But who gets the increase? God. That should be freeing to us. And remember this. Jesus has already purchased an eternal inheritance for you and your children and your children's children. Jesus has done it. What you may be trying to accumulate. Property, land, trust funds, those things are all good and dandy. I'm not saying don't try to have those things to pass down to your children. Those are good. But guess what? They may get squandered. There are children who squander, parents who work really hard, and by the time it makes it to their children or their grandchildren, squandered. <laughs> right? There's no guarantee it'll be used wisely or as you wished. But there is a guarantee in the eternal inheritance that cannot be lost. So I'll leave you with you, these words. It's not scripture, so it's not authoritative. But I really wanted to share this. It's not from a theologian. It's actually from a football player. Um, Harrison Bucker, he's a kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl champion. He's a graduate of Georgia Tech, and he gave a commencement speech last week. Um, so put that first one on the screen. So he gave this commencement speech and he said this. He said to all these graduates, Georgia Tech, he said, I can offer one controversial antidote that I believe will have a lasting impact for generations to come. Look what he said. What did he say? Get married and start a family. He goes on to say, he talks about all the accomplishments. He talks about winning the Super Bowl rings. He talks about um, the, the Super Bowl that he played in being the most watched game in NFL history. He has accumulated accomplishments. He graduated from Georgia Tech. He has accumulated accomplishments in this life. But look what he says to the next one. This is what I'm leaving you with. And yet all of this happiness that those accomplishments bring is temporary. And the truth is, none of these accomplishments means anything compared to the happiness I have found in my marriage and in starting a family. My confidence as a husband and father, and yes, even as a football player, is rooted in my marriage with my wife. And look what he ends with. As we leave our mark on future generations by the children we bring into the world titled this sermon, Family is Our Legacy. How much greater of a legacy can anyone leave than that? 
profound truth, brothers and sisters. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Urban Hope, you can visit www.urbanhopecc.com.